Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome in to another episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. It is Wednesday, and normally we are joined by our fake-ass doctor, but unfortunately, he will not be with us today as he decided to take the family to Disney World. Uh, Jake and I are both very jealous of that, but we have plenty to talk about because in typical fashion, as soon as we recorded our last podcast, the Dolphins made a signing. We will get into the Eric Fisher signing. We will get into the Miami Dolphins' inability to run the football, but before we get into all that, let me welcome in my co-host, the one, the only, the greatest in the world, Jake Mendel. Jake, how's it going today, man? Josh, we use Wednesdays all the time as like a reflection day, right? We kind of look in the mirror before turning the page. And I see myself looking in the mirror and ask myself, how the hell do we pay Merrick enough for him to go to Disney World? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was wondering, would it be too harsh if, um, because uh, he says he listens to all the shows and he actually, in our group chat, responds almost after every show with some thoughts. So, Josh, would it be too harsh to like give Merrick... 24 hours from when this pod publishes to post a picture with him wearing Mickey Mouse ears or he can't be on next week. Would that be too harsh? That might be too harsh. I mean, he, but if he's a diehard, like he says he is, he probably will listen to it. But uh, we definitely need to see a picture of him with those Mickey Mouse ears. Let's let's give him 48 hours or maybe 69. Can we just give him 69 hours? How about 48 hours and it can either be Mickey ears or a Santa hat or both extra credit for both. Yeah, well, I think he's probably going to be dressed up like uh, Darth Cater, right? I mean, he was seemed stoked about the Star Wars <laughs> exhibit, so um, maybe he'll make his own lightsaber or something cool like that. That would be dope. That would be dope. But let's reel back in here because we have a lot to talk about. Josh, the Dolphins went fishing. They added Eric Fisher, former number one overall pick, 2013 draft. Kind of a move that came out of left field that the Dolphins would acquire the left tackle, but it made sense, Josh, after the team announced that Austin Jackson would be placed on IR for the second time this season with an ankle injury. You were on top of this. You had the story up on the Finsider almost instantly. What what were your, what was your initial reaction here? Where do you see Eric Fisher really coming in and, and being a part of this team? Yeah, I don't want to, you know, be too down on Austin Jackson, but I mean, we heard the same type of thing that we're hearing now about Liam Eikenberg. You know, Mike McDaniel said Austin Jackson was playing some of his best football before, you know, he got injured, he came back. I don't know that he looked that great. To me, this thing that stood out most was that I think Mike McDaniel at his press conference said, you know, this is a guy that we've been very familiar with. We, you know, have been talking about signing him for a few weeks now. So um, I don't know what it means as far as obviously, you know, hopefully Toronto Armstead comes back. He's the left tackle. We know most of Fisher's experience is at left tackle. But for me, I think it's just a veteran that can now, you know, 
in my opinion, he's an upgrade over Austin Jackson, as crazy as that might sound. And he might even be over Brandon Shell and Greg Little. I know those guys played pretty decent. I think we'll go over some PFF grades then. But um, I like that he comes in here. You know, he has experience w- winning the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. You know, him and Tyree Kill's relationship. Mike McDaniel talked about that. But um, he's a guy that has started year after year you know he wasn't signed this season but did start 15 games with the Colts so I liked it and I'm wondering why it happened now and say you know maybe a little bit earlier when the Dolphins you know could have got ahead of some of these injuries that we're seeing now that's that's actually a really good question and you make an interesting point about signing him now Josh it kind of has that Trey Flowers feel I mean I I wonder if more teams are going to start to do this you know if you go to a 17 18 game season it doesn't change a lot but when you think about how much the um practice squad rules have changed where you can have two guys who who don't need any qualifications to be on your practice squad. I do wonder if maybe some of these older guys can extend their career by a couple of years just from being those, you know, mid-season fill-ins. And, you know, there is that perspective. Yes, Josh, this is someone who played 15 games last season, hasn't played this year, but I think there's a little bit of a perspective to the idea of, you know, they're, there's been guys who have been out here grinding since August. I mean, in reality, you're not an NFL player if you're not grinding 12 months a year. But I wonder if there's something to the idea of, hey, this is someone who hasn't had to go through that wear and tear. And while he might be able, not be able to give you, you know, 17 games of quality football, but maybe you can expect eight to 10, not even quality games, but just decent games. And I think that's just a, in that lens, a very uh, successful acquisition if that's how it goes down. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, you look around the league now. I mean, I know Odell's, uh, you know, just coming healthy now and kind of recuperating from an injury, but you're seeing these veterans, you know, kind of wait it out, find the right situation. Um, hopefully, you know, he picked the Dolphins for a specific reason, right? Hopefully there was maybe another offer out there and he wanted to come to Miami because he likes what they're building. But um, again, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I really hope it doesn't mean that Teron Armstead's going to be on the shelf longer than expected. I know Mike McDaniel kind of tiptoed around it again today, gave his, you know, cliche answer, which, you know, as we've seen before, he's kind of uh, hush hush on those injury reports. So um, wherever he plays left, right tackle, again, I think it's, again, don't want to knock Austin Jackson, but I think this is an upgrade, you know, in pass protection and run game and, He's 31. I mean, I know we all say it's not the same old Eric Fisher as, you know, we become accustomed to, um, but he's still 31 years old. And that makes me feel very old because I thought this dude's been around forever. And you look at Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in football, who the Dolphins just played last week. He's on the older side. Teron Armstead's been absolutely fabulous for the Dolphins. He's on the older side. And and Josh, I do want to keep talking about Fisher a little bit, but uh, just a little bit of a, a, I don't know, side street, if you will. Um, you are on that T-Money wave. You get some Teron Armstead tweets once in a while. I love seeing that when it'll come through my feed and it's just him quote tweeting you. Did you see what he put on Instagram? He said, if only, like, was it like, if only you knew or something like that, right? Dot, dot, dot. I, I, I saw someone tweet it out. Wait, wait, it was a it was a picture of, of him. Uh, I think it was coming out of the tunnel at a home game, and it was, if only you knew, dot, dot, dot. Josh, I, there's probably two ways you can take that. One, it's this dude is entirely just completely working his tail off to um, make sure he's healthy. Like, like that's him just kind of saying, if you only knew that I'm spending, you know, uh, 10 hours a day, right, rehabbing or whatever it may be. Or on the other side, if only you knew how hurt I was, Josh. Um Knowing everything we've learned about, you know, Mike McDaniel, his lack of context clues in interviews and Armstead and his willingness to um, be out there. You know, we hear the reports that he's telling people early in the week he plans to be out there. Is this Armstead just still trying to ride that wave? I mean, I shouldn't even say trying. Is this someone who's just downright grinding and he's letting the world know like, hey, like I hear everyone say all these bad things about me or not even bad, just negative things in terms of uh, durability. Or is this maybe a situation where 
we hear about this a lot with teams and I know nothing and I just kind of want to throw this out there. Is this a situation where maybe these are rumors being injected by the coaching staff that he's trying to tell people? Is this, do you, is there any possibility this is more not coming from Armstead, but the coaching staff and trying to push him to play? And this is his response of, if only you knew how hurt I was and how hard I'm still trying, even though they're making it seem like I, I can go sooner than I think. Is there, is that any possibility? Am I being a maniac? No, I mean, you're always being a maniac, and we always like Thank to go Charlie, the male he over here, and that's kind of what we're doing. But, um, you know, I think it could be looked at either of those ways. I think there's absolutely, you know, we can sit here and say Toronto Armstead's working his ass off to get back. I mean, it sounds like that's just the type of guy he is, but I'm sure he's far more injured than you know that we know. I know he's talked before about how rough the peck is and the fact that he's even going out there and trying to to grind through it. I was, as you were saying it, I was going to go in a completely different direction and just think, you know, he was responding to all that 49ers crap. You know, if only you knew how this game would have went if I was out there, you know, Ooh, this would have been a like whole different story. So um, hopefully we're, you know, you were right when you said he was coming out of the tunnel. It's just his way of saying, you know, I'm getting ready to come back. If only you knew what's ahead of us. But um, yeah, I think um, we're spiraling a little bit out of control with that. But uh, again, who knows with how lenient or I guess how reserved Mike McDaniel is about this injury report, because every week you think, and I mean, we thought, Byron Jones is coming back before the week one game. I mean, you go yeah, back right. and look at tweets like what what the hell? The the moral is that we know absolutely nothing. I do want to say though that in no way was I implying that like uh, you know, Armstead's trying to cut corners or he's he's just like not trying to go out there. I, there. There's no doubt in my mind he's someone who's absolutely grinding. I mean, you listen to other people talk. He's been such a leader for this team. Uh, Josh, to pull it back to the offensive line in general, let's say that Teron Armstead is healthy. Uh, were you surprised on Sunday to see that after us? yelling from the rooftops for months and months that we finally had Brandon Shell and Greg Little playing and we had Shell on the right side because man for the longest time I mean they, they kept putting him at left tackle and we just it was so obvious that he didn't belong there I, what did you see out of Shell I thought he played pretty well and do you think that hey they're finally listening and playing him at right tackle is this where gonna be Fisher competes at yeah I mean that's I mean I think again I don't know what type of shape Eric Fisher's in. I can't admittedly say I watched a ton of the Colts games from last season, but I mean, Ooh. from what I remember from, you know, what type of player he's been, I mean, I absolutely think he'd come here and compete with these guys, but um, you mentioned it, man, heading into that game, we were really concerned with those tackles. I was really concerned after Adam Schefter messed up and tweeted out the wrong positions that they're playing pregame. So, yeah. I mean, when we were going into it, thinking about that, I mean, I thought they held their own again. I think uh, Nick Bosa was named like player of the week or something. I think he had three sacks. It says here that Brandon Shell gave up one, but he graded out pretty well as a pass blocker as a run blocker last week by pff greg little as well i think he only gave up a hurry but um those were two guys that i was concerned with going against that very good uh san francisco defense and i think i thought they held their own i just hope that means moving forward shell is at right tackle and again if you have to play little at left tackle that i mean that's breaking case of case of emergency but at this point i'm starting the more we talk about it maybe there is more to the armstead injury maybe you know they're bringing in fisher to be that presence on the left side you already got shell looking nice on the right side whatever it is i'm just happy that we have at least enough offensive linemen that um they put together a damn good uh you know they put together a damn good season and at least look like more of an upgrade than what we've seen over the last few years right Jake? that that's kind of the key here i mean either way i I think this offensive line is is so improved and this uh, coaching staff deserves so much credit. I mean, we, I don't think, still talk enough about Connor Williams and, and their vision with him and how it's worked pretty well. Uh, Brandon Shellman, it's it's pretty obvious the difference. I'm just going to use PFF grade just, just for this scenario. But, I mean, against the Houston Texans, the worst defense in the NFL, he had a grade of 44 when he was at left tackle. Josh, that number ballooned to 74 when he was playing against San Francisco on the right side. And that just kind of goes to that comfort, knowing your player's skills, knowing how your player is 
think, and hopefully that's it moving forward. Josh, one last scenario about this offensive line. Let's say that Tron Arm said it's if you only knew like how hard I'm working, I'm going to be ready to go on Sunday. You have Brandon Shell at right tackle looking pretty good. Robert Jones had a penalty on Sunday. He didn't look great at left guard. Is there any universe where Eric Fisher could be coming in to possibly compete at left guard? I, I would never say never at this point, right, Jake? I mean, I'm, I can't sit here and say for sure. I mean, uh, we know Connor Williams, he big-brained that one and took the, him from guard and made him a very good center. So it could be definitely be the Dolphins' way going about this. But I think, you know, prior to this game, I at least think Robert Jones has at least held his own and um, has looked solid at least left guard. But again, that all gets thrown out of whack as soon as Teron Armstead's out of the lineup. So, uh, yeah, man, may, maybe it is. That, that would be a very interesting take. And again, I won't put anything past Mike McDaniel. That's been the moral of the season. But with that, let's take a little break. On the other side, we're going to talk about balance, specifically when it comes to running the football. So stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Josh mentioned it at the top. We will not be joined by Merrick Brave, who we like to call our quote-unquote uh, fake-ass doctor named after Cam Akers in the, uh, what was it, the preseason? No, it was J.K. Dobbins, excuse me, talking about, you know, there were reports that he wouldn't be ready, and he kind of called out all the internet doctors. Uh, so we gave that crown to Merrick just as a nice little fun thing. Uh, but one thing he did want us to talk about while we were at Disneyland is he wants Mike McDaniel, Josh, to run the football. And I think that's probably the one, I guess, issue we've seen with this offense, Josh. You look at this game against San Francisco, they threw the ball 34 times compared to eight rushing attempts. And this, I think, is more of an outlier in terms of um, knowing San Francisco's play style, Miami playing to win and not to lose. By that, I mean, hey, maybe you're going to go for it from fourth at fourth and two from your own two yard line, despite the risks, because you know, if San Fran gets the ball back and you aren't, uh, you know, throwing those punches, they're just going to milk all the clock. So there's that perspective to it, Josh. Uh, but what is missing from this team where they cannot run the football, the eight rushing attempts. I mean, their best run was called back. It was Raheem Oster went 18 yards called back for a penalty. Jeff Wilson, who's been a stud for the Dolphins, he ran the ball one time. So man, you've watched the film a couple times. How awkward has it been to see the progression of this rushing attack kind of disappear? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the saddest things that have come about with the Mike McDaniel era, right? I mean, when we first started this whole thing, we talked about how he was just going to bring that run game in. Then he literally brought his backs in. But, you know, we saw a little bit of it. And then it just kind of, like you mentioned, went poof. So I think, again, we can look at the Teron Armstead injury and probably point to that as part of the reason why they haven't been effectively running the football. But in my opinion, I mean, at least in that last game, I mean, he completely abandoned the run. I mean, I know the Dolphins have those speedy wide receivers. I know, you know, from the eye to it, he had open receivers at times. You know, he was just missing them. So maybe... Maybe Mike McDaniel just, you know, overthought this, you know, knew how to attack that 49ers defense, but he admitted he completely abandoned the run game. And you mentioned the eight carries. I mean, 
uh, you know, it's one of the first things you do when you play Madden is you realize that you got to at least establish the run, you know, just to keep the clock moving, just to keep the defense honest. I mean, I, I hate that we always use cliches like that, but um, you can't go into an NFL game again when that defense is that good and only rush the ball eight times. And he kind of alluded to it again today, you know, for as much as that game meant to those players, not giving them carries in those situations. Hopefully he always says he's going to learn from these mistakes. He's always going to get better. That's really all I need to see. I need to see him commit to the run game and it doesn't have to be, you know, pound a thing when it's not working. Right. I mean, eight times though, man, that's just, um, it just didn't give your defense enough time to get off the field and didn't give those backs enough time to impact the game the way they wanted to. There are two things that I'm quickly picking up about Mike McDaniel and, and in I really think they're they're good things, and this might sound a little dolphin and like spin zony, but but first and foremost, Josh, this is not Kyle Shanahan's offense. You saw what that offense does, and, and this is not what Mike McDaniel's doing. Yet. What I think Mike McDaniel's doing is he tailored. He did not use Kyle Shanahan's offense. He used the the brain power, his ability to uh, ignite new plays, his ability to kind of figure out how to attack defenses that has been the Shanahan way for what 40 at least 40 years at this point what we saw is him really use his players well and I think people are coming out and saying it now I mean this isn't you don't want to be the participation trophy guy you don't want to feel like all right let's talk through the bad things right after a loss but Josh there were a lot of guys running wide open against that San Francisco defense there were a lot of situations where Miami had chances for very big plays I mean uh Trent Sherfield that touchdown was not a one-off that was not just one lucky play there were there were situations where this team could take advantage so to me I, one I'm very excited to see that McDonald's Daniel continues to put his players in a situation to succeed. Yeah, he could put his running backs in a better situation to succeed. But in, in reality, I saw a game plan that could win. And, and Josh, I think number two might be the bigger point. I think that McDaniel has a way of attacking defenses. And it's it's like maybe a boxer has a comfortable like set uh, 15 seconds of moves or just his momentum of how he likes to go about things. And for McDaniel, maybe it's more about getting that first, first down through the air. And then the defense has to react. And all of a sudden we got to play the pass. And then you start to run the football. I do wonder if there's something to the fact that they had so many three and outs on Sunday that they couldn't run their offense, which their offense isn't simply like, yeah, you can say, Hey, just run it off. But hey, to run it off successfully, first we need to get the defense into this certain scheme by completing this one pass. And and maybe that didn't do it. I feel like I'm making excuses here, but I do feel like there's something more to just, all right, you know, eight carries, we decided to just ignore the run game, my B guys. Yeah, I, I know it's just excuses, Jake, but again, I mean, this is his first season calling plays, right? So, I mean, we got to expect, you know, this trial and error type thing. But like you mentioned, I think one of the way... One of the things that gets you excited as a Dolphins fan is watching the tape and, you know, looking at it in a way where you said that yourself, guys were running wide open. You know, there were the plays to be had, too. It was just missing them at times. So to know that that was taking place, you know, to know that, again, the Dolphins kind of shot themselves in the, their foot, um, I am interested to see, again, the way he builds upon this and what he does this week because I don't have the stat in front of me. Shame on me. We can do it in our preview show. But I think the Chargers are giving up pretty uh, hefty amount of yardage on the ground. And, uh, you know, he's definitely going to want to come out there and prove that they can establish that run game. Like, you know, we have seen in previous weeks. I have no re idea why you only run the ball eight times other than, again, you just kind of overthinking things against your uh, Jedi master. And two, this is going to be my last, like, fluff thought about all this. But, Josh, Miami is 30th in the NFL right now, averaging uh, two rush attempts per game. I wrote pass, but it's definitely rush attempts. Um, Josh, and they run the ball less on the road, 20 attempts compared to at home, 24 per attempts. I mean, there's the whole 
logic of, you know, the run game travels, you trust your running game on the road. And then there's also the perspective, Josh, that passing offenses, offenses in general are down this year. There's more, there's, I, I hate using this lingo, but the, the two high safety looks, right? They're limiting offense. This is a league that's really trying to counter the, you know, the 2014 Broncos, the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs, these high flying passing offenses that could took took advantage of just how the rules of the game are written. We see that pendulum swinging back the other way, but this is the Dolphins offense that is pushing through that pendulum and having success throwing the football. So while I do think they need to run the football a little more, there is, there's a little concern to me that maybe that Mike McDaniel might start to get into his own head and maybe try to run the football a little too much because generally speaking, Josh, I'm going to look, go through these games since Tua returned. I don't know if these balances are that bad. I mean, Pittsburgh, 35 pass plays to 27 rush. Detroit, 36 to 26. Chicago, 30 to 23. Cleveland was as balanced as you're going to get, 33 to 33. But I guess it's pretty easy when you're just walking all over floor mat. Um, And then Houston, 41 pass attempts, 26 rush attempts. Even though that was a blowout, I, I do wonder that second half early on, Miami was still trying to throw the football. That goes back to what I was thinking about. Hey, that first first down is so important to Miami opening up the field and running the ball. Yeah, and you know, we're sitting here saying run, run, run the ball more. But, I mean, we talked about it all offseason. You know, you have all these playmakers. The entire um, offense, you know, clicks when you get those ball into the playmakers' hands quickly. So, you you know, you're throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill. You know, you're throwing the ball to Jalen Waddle. Those are your guys that are you're feasting with um, that are making the big plays. And I guess that's maybe the way he looks at it. But to your point, Jake, I mean, the entire NFL is almost shifted into like a game of Madden almost. And that's what I always go back to just being that game of Madden where these teams are just getting pass happy. You know, they're using – um they're analyzing and using different ways to go for it and formulate whether or not they should go for it on fourth down. I mean, that fourth and one call was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So um, if that's the way the Dolphins have to continue to win games is through the air, so be it. I just hope that we see them at least run the football more because, again, it's not going to sustain itself when your t- defense is out there 40 minutes against, um, you know, for example, this week, a Justin Herbert. Josh, you're 100% right, and, and that running game is so important, especially in the second half. You have that 10, 13-point lead, especially on the road. You want to be able to run that football and keep the clock melting. But again, too, there's the other side of Tua's strength is that accuracy, that perfection on a snap-by-snap basis to get the ball to the right guys, which if he continues to do that, that is the running game. You're keeping the clock moving. You're keeping the chains going. So there is an interesting balance here, and I'm excited to see Mike McDaniel tackle it. Josh, a couple other things I want to get to before we take off here. Um, eight years ago today, eight years ago today, Josh, Daniel Tosh, Josh and Tosh, Daniel Tosh tweeted out that nobody hates the Miami Dolphins more than Miami Dolphin fans. And that came up in my Facebook memories today. And I just had to chuckle because Josh, Miami Dolphins were flexed into Sunday night football against the Chargers. And now they've been flexed into Saturday night football against the Buffalo Bills the following week. As excited I am to see this, as excited I am for this playoff race and the fact that people are still talking about the Dolphins as like an AFC contender. Oh, God, that scares me a little bit because while people dislike the Dolphins, I know what this team is capable of and I hate them for it. Yeah, I'm, I, that's <laughs> awesome. The Daniel Tosh thing is amazing. But yeah, man, I think I feel the same way as you. I feel extra queasy about you know these three games that are just going to be in front of everyone and then don't they then play on christmas day which i guess every, a lot yeah. of teams play on christmas day but uh uh yes flexing that game to what prime time on that saturday 8 15 um you know everyone into it to play in the cold weather it's going to be cold as hell up there in buffalo but again it's nice that your our teams at least you know 
in it this late into things and that the NFL and the world's trying to give them the respect that they deserve. Uh, speaking of respect, they deserve Jake. The other thing we want to talk about uh, real quick, the top five pro bowl vote getters so far this season per the NFL. It is now what week 14 Tua tongue of Iloa leads all voting Jake with 138,390 votes and Tyree kill is fourth with 132,100 votes. Obviously those, uh, you know, have changed since this thing was tweeted, but dude, Tua tongue of Iloa, the number one vote getter and then Tyree kill four three spots behind him. I mean, what world are we living in Jake? And the best part of it all is they're going to be playing a football game uh, the week after. So none of them will even be in the pro bowl game. That's the reasoning that we need to uh, come to a, uh really consider when it comes to the Dolphins is that while this Pro Bowl stuff's cool, it really doesn't matter if you're playing that following week. Um, Josh, this is pretty exciting. I love seeing, you know, the, the Dolphins get the hat tip. It's it's uh, nice to see yourself on that center stage. But at the same time, Josh, I mean, I've been on Twitter for 12 years. I've been writing stories about this team for about 10 years. You've been leading the charge of Dolphins Twitter as long as I can remember. And I think we'd both be lying if we didn't say that there, there's probably some uh, dolphin fans out there who have some hamsters who are just wearing dolphin helmets and he just taught them how to run on some sort of wheel that just registers votes. I There's no way in the world knowing dolphins Twitter that that isn't happening. There's some yeah. hamsters out there just clocking in voting for Tua. Yeah, someone got a pet octopus, and they, they're set up to like eight <laughs> different monitors, and they're just uh, voting Tua all day long. But, I mean, um, I thought where you were going with that is basically, you know, I guess in my opinion, the Pro Bowl just is whatever, right? But I think these players, it does mean a lot to them. So it's nice to be able to tweet out there. But, yeah, man, you're right. There's a couple fans that are in their basements with the uh, octopuses set up, and they're voting like crazy for Tua. But, um, yeah, whatever. If this is what it's going to take to build that extra layer of confidence around him, right, him and Tyreek heading into this playoff push i mean so be it um but jake herbert two of this weekend that's all anybody's going to be talking about and um i don't know about you but i'm already kind of over it and it's wednesday i wouldn't say over it but but there is a sense of you know the the whole matchup boils down to two versus herbert and i don't want to be like a qb wins guy uh but this is an exciting game for a lot of reasons and i think it goes far past that i mean there's a lot we need to learn about this miami dolphins defense this is a chargers team i think Josh, six and six, if I remember correctly, they just lost to the Raiders. I mean, they tried really hard in their comeback, and you got to give Justin Herbert his credit for that. Yeah, and that's probably what I'll say for the next show. But I mean, everyone should know as if as long as you follow me on Twitter, you know, I was doing breakdowns on Herbert. I love the player, but I I was always team Tua. So, um, you know, some people are looking at this matchup and this will be, you know, the deciding factor of which quarterback or which team made the right move. That's not it at all. I mean, both these guys can be great players and we might not know for, you know, 10 years down the road whether or not the Dolphins made the right move. But uh, what's most important isn't what Tua does. It's what the Dolphins do. After, again, 33-17 uh, loss to San Francisco 49ers, you're out West. You talked about how important it was to come uh you know build that camaraderie with your uh teammates to go out there and you know overcome these obstacles you want adversity all season go out there sunday night football i mean you gotta win this game because if you don't heading into buffalo saturday night cold as hell off two losses you know i think feel like we've been here before jake and it's just making me feel extra extra queasy we've been here before man somehow we always pull ourselves back to that but joshua we are miraculous today, but I, I very much thank you for joining us. I very much thank everyone out there for listening to us. Merrick, it is 5 p.m. on the East Coast. Your 48 hours have officially begun. But that is all the time we have for Finsider Radio. Thank you all so much for joining us. We will be back on Friday with our preview show. But until then, I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of the week. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Justin Herbert.
That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.